1: This is New York Game Day, presented by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Slomans, low prices, zero sacrifices. For 100 years, Slomans has been a staple in home comfort. Call 1-866-OIL-DEAL. And by Nissan, you deserve a car that thrills you. And Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store and Nissan.com today.
2: Welcome back to 98.7 ESPN. It is New York game day. It's now time for the Rich Samini report. However, Rich is on vacation and much deserving. Bob Wishus and voice of the Jets, is joining us, <laughs> who's uh, got an assignment in Oregon. He's working, even though it's a Jets bye week. And of course, this is brought to you by London Jewelers. So, first things first, Bob, uh, let's talk about this Jets team, the fact that they are three and three. Now, I said at the beginning of the season that the Jets be lucky if they're three and three at the end of their first six weeks heading into their bye week but of course that was with Aaron Rodgers the fact that they're three and three and they've had Zach Wilson unbelievable what say you
3: yeah this has been weird um it has been unexpected it's been fun in its own way and it's just nice that they're relevant right like everyone asked me when they signed Aaron Rodgers You know what do you think? And look, it's been a long time since the Jets were good or a threat or you thought could make a playoff run. So, you know, I tempered my expectations by just way back when saying it would just be fun if they're a good, relevant team that's playing compelling games in December, and then who knows what happens in January? And they still might be that um, because their defense is really good. They've got some strengths. They have things they have to get a lot better at uh, to win consistently, but. You know, winning a game like the one they won last week can change your season.
2: Absolutely. And, and again, sitting at 3-3, three and three, uh, wins against the Bills, the Broncos, and the Eagles. So, obviously, uh, you know, to beat the Bills and the Eagles, extremely impressive. And a close call with the Kansas City Chiefs. Some might feel that they should have won that game. Would have, should have, could have 23-20, but nonetheless um, – so uh, with, with that being said, you know, obviously uh, how this all unfolded four plays in Aaron Rodgers goes down with that Achilles injury. Zach Wilson comes in. But and and I've been very, very critical of him, Bob, extremely critical. But he has impressed me. And I feel like each and every week we see him get better and, and, and we've seen peaks and valleys and whatnot. Uh, what kind of, you know, share with us you know, what you've seen in regard to his development and where he is right now?
3: Well, I mean, the biggest positive is he's not turning the ball over, right? Like he's playing other than the drop snap in the Kansas City game, where you would have thought that had he not dropped that snap, there's probably a pretty good chance that they were going to win that game as well. Like you said, Um, you know, he is he's he's not making the mistake that hurts them. To the point that the other elements of the team, defense, special teams, the run game, not giving them a chance to go win. Um, That's, of course, the glass half full. The glass half empty is in order to win consistently in this league. At some point, your quarterback has to be in the middle of chunk plays being made, the ball being pushed downfield, big throws being made in big spots. And not just the occasional big throw, but you know, a quarter or two where he kind of throws the team on his back and slings it around and wins a game for them. And that's not what they're getting. Um, and so, you know, the question is, can you function the whole year just leaning on your defense, kicking a lot of field goals, running the ball, and having your quarterback basically just not turn it over and win with those other elements at play? Um, the rare team can do that. I, I To me, it's, it's asking a lot but there's also a growth process that players go through during a season. Like I I can see that his confidence is building based on the fact that they're in these games and they're winning some of them that, you know, like at at the end of the Broncos game, like he made a couple of big throws when they needed those, those throws to be made Um, were, you know, was he the one driving them down the field, putting the ball in the end zone? No, but at the same time, like, you know, zipping one up the seam to Tyler Conklin and a big out to Garrett Wilson on, you know, some third down throws that had to happen. Um, I think quarterbacks can build off that. So, like, he wasn't expecting to be the quarterback this year. There's supposed to be about Aaron Rodgers. The whole system was Aaron Rodgers. So I think there's that development as well, right? Like, they have to now gear the offense back towards Zach Wilson. Um, as the And they've played hard teams. I mean, theoretically, now the, the schedule should get easier. So all of that could play into him being better as the year goes on, but they do need him to be better. Like, he, he can't just be a, I'll protect the ball and defense go win it and let's win every game, you know, 14 to 12. Like, it, it, you can't function like that in the NFL. It's just, it's just too hard.
2: Uh, let, let's talk about some other aspects here on this offense. Obviously, Brees Hall has been just absolutely unbelievable and and, and just the mere fact that he's coming off, how, how, how great he has run, the, with the football coming off of the knee surgery that he had. So I, I'm just, I'm amazed by that. Garrett Wilson, we know what you get from him. Arguably one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I, your your thoughts on this offensive line? Uh, again, a, a unit that um, many people, including myself, was not expecting much from. But I, I think they've they've done a, a pretty solid job so far, at least better than the Giants' offensive line, Bob. Right, um, protecting Zach Wilson.
3: Yeah, Elijah Vera Tucker's injury is a big one. I mean, he's their most versatile and best offensive lineman. So to lose him again really is a that that's brutal. Um, having said that, Makai Beckton has been equally as positive a surprise because he hasn't been able to stay on the field the last couple of years. This year, he has so far. So keep your fingers crossed if you're a Jets fan that he's able to stay healthy um, because he's a difference maker if he can stay healthy. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Brees Hall's um, season so far, I think, has been arguably the biggest surprise on the team because, you know, I thought the whole reason they went out and signed Dalvin Cook was because they really weren't sure how good Brees Hall was going to be. I mean, you know, to have that kind of an injury – And oftentimes, I I kept drawing the Saquon parallel that, you know, like three years ago, we saw Saquon Barkley have an injury just like that. And then two years ago, Saquon basically spent like a whole year looking relatively pedestrian by his standards. And it wasn't until the following year that he came back and all of a sudden, oh, okay, like he's Saquon Barkley again. He's going to be 1500 yards from the line of scrimmage or whatever, and he's going to be that guy. Brees Hall needed a month to become that guy again. And so, you know, to me, that's incredibly impressive. I, you know, I I mean they they say it's a year before you come back from that kind of an injury mm-hmm. to even really like really be explosive. And he had that injury just under a year ago, and he's already off the pitch count and looking like he looked before he was hurt. So you know, and against loaded boxes. I mean, if you watch the Jets, like teams, and I would do the same. I would be challenging, you know, like if I'm a defensive coordinator, my attitude would be seven and eight guys up near the line of scrimmage. And Brees Hall, you're not going to be the one to beat us. If we're going to lose, we're going to put it on your passing game to beat us. And he still has ripped off some game-changing runs, even into those loaded run boxes. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's been amazing for what he's come back from
2: um you know and, and looking at this defense you mentioned it right um zach wilson not turning the ball over being able to run the football and then the defense really winning these ball games It's uh, it's really amazing to me no sauce gardener this was a team of course going up against the philadelphia eagles one of the most explosive offenses in the nfl down what four of their five corners something like that bob and 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 you come out and you beat them. Not only that, three interceptions you get from uh, from uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, just unbelievable to me. What 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 has been so special, so unique, so outstanding about this defense and their success this season?
3: Well, I think a couple things. Number one, they are getting, I think, a lot more pressure on opposing quarterbacks without blitzing than the sack numbers would lead you to believe. They've gotten to the quarterback and they've gotten some sacks. But this is not a team that, you know, I mean, I think people thought they might be the sack exchange and be knocking the quarterback down, you know, five and six times a game. And, you know, it hasn't been that. But if you look at their pressures, getting quarterbacks off their spot, hurrying them, um, they've been really good at affecting the quarterback without blitzing. So that obviously allows you to play a lot of zone. And not expose those guys on the back end when you're you're down your starters, and they were down their top three corners. DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner and Brandon Eccles were all out last week, so they had two guys that were on the practice squad two weeks ago that were called up that played in the game. Um, You know, and and one of them was a starter, and and even Tony Adams is he's a starter at safety, but he's only in the second season, and he's kind of a surprise revelation um, that that he's been this much a part of the back end of their defense. So, yeah, they were young and inexperienced. And you would have thought that a team that was in the Super Bowl last year and, you know, is arguably the best offensive line in football would be able to buy time for the quarterback and expose that. And, I mean, they pitched a second-half shutout against that offense. And I did not see that coming. I I assumed if they were going to win that game – they were going to have to win that game because the game was going to be played in the mid to upper 20s, and that would have been a good job by the defense. Um, so to hold them to to a couple of touchdowns, give a touchdown on the first drive and hold them to seven points the rest of the game was about as good as you can play.
2: Really, really, it's uh, it's 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 been it's been impressive, and also, uh, you know, Bob, I, I envy your job. I, you know, I think this has been a, a fun team to watch. Like, you know, just a, a roller coaster of emotions this season. And like I said, for them to be sitting at three and three right now, or coming out of this bye, their schedule gets a little bit easier. Some would argue a lot easier. I think they're in a good position. Last question for you before I let you go is Aaron Rodgers. It's unbelievable. I know this new um, Achilles surgery, you know, type of technique. He's walking around. We're seeing video on, on, you know, Instagram and TikTok and all this, him walking around without the crutches. And there's some talk and some hope that maybe he can come back this season. Bob, how realistic is that?
3: I have no idea, right? Like you said, I mean, I I, I didn't even know that this kind of, like, Voodoo surgery that he'd done on his Achilles was even possible. I, you know, I mean, this is talk about an advancement in medical science that I would think would be something that would turn the sports world on its head. If you could get a forty-year-old quarterback back inside of the same season that he tore his Achilles on opening night to play football, um, if if that happens, I'll be as stunned as anyone. Having said that, just seeing him five weeks removed from the surgery, walking around without even a boot on or, you know, I mean, look, he's not running around. We're not seeing him, you know, look like a football player yet. It's amazing the amount of attention it got the other night that he was basically just standing still and tossing a football back and forth. I'm not sure why people were surprised he was doing that. He's a quarterback. What's he going to do? When he's standing on a football field, but yeah, great, let's throw a football back and forth a little bit. Um, But that's a long way from playing. So to me, if he ever steps back out on the field this year, that is it's an incredible story. But it's really just gravy for what hopefully this year will be for them, which is hopefully a competitive year all the way through. I, I don't know how anyone would actually count on that.
2: That was the Rich Samidi, wink, wink, Bob Wischusen Jets Report brought to you by the engagement experts at London Jewelers. Visit them at any of their seven locations, including Short Heels, or shop online at londonjewelers.com. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Week seven, a lot of interesting storylines. We're going to dive into all of them next right here on New York Game Day, 98.7 ESPN.
0: must be 21 plus and present in select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply see app for details now back to new york
1: game day with a money tumor mike tannenbaum and anita marks it all fits in Bobby, X, Leo, Dex, all those guys,
4: they're starting to gel as a unit. You know, Kayvon, you know, you just keep going down the list of
5: the guys that are they're starting to gel as a unit, and they're getting used to playing together, and Bobby's a big part of that, too, and I think you're just going to see, continue to see him keep striding out the, you know, the way we all expected him to.
2: Wink Martindale uh, talking about that matchup. Uh, for the Giants today, going up against Sam Howell and the uh, Washington Commanders, uh, a lot of a lot of weapons to work with there. That's for sure. Um We'll see how the Giants are able to contain. Uh, it is time for Around the League, brought to you by Tullamore Do Irish Whiskey. Gentlemen, uh, let's take a look at some of the big big storylines heading into uh, week seven. And two great games on the slate. One o'clock, the Lions going up against the Baltimore Ravens. This is interesting, Mike. Uh, the Ravens are one of 14 teams that have now had to come back from London and not have a bye the following week. 13, or t- I should say, 12 of those 13 previous struggled uh, to win their games the following week. So that does not bode well. Uh, you know, do you feel that that gives the Lions even more advantage considering that the Ravens are, are not having the luxury of a bye this week coming back from London?
6: No, because. Um that's the Ravens' choice, and look, the Jaguars just did that, and they came back, to beat the Colts, and a lot of East Coast teams are now going to London and saying to the league they want to buy later on in the season, so that's their discretion. Look, there's some teams that go on buys, and you know, this time of year, they're out skiing in Utah, wherever Bob O'Shughes may be doing, who knows, but um, <laughs> you know, most of us are, are still working here, you know, and um, I, I think this was planned by John Harbaugh, and um, he's on an excuse guy, so um, I think East Coast teams coming back from that London game. I think we're going to see more of this, not less of it.
2: Interesting. Uh, what, what's your What's your take on this game, on this matchup? I, I I love the Lions. I think the Lions win here. They're getting three. Uh, I know we've got my uh, locks of the week coming your way at the top of the ten o'clock hour. Um, not sure if this will be one of them, but I'm on the Lions side. I, I just I, I think I think offensively, defensively. Um I, th- I think they're the better team. When you look at the quarterbacks that the Ravens have had to face this year, and not that they get to pick and choose them, uh, nothing really to write home about. I think this is going to be their biggest challenge yet this season defensively.
6: Yeah, this is a great game on paper. You know, top five offense with Detroit. They've had no game this year where they've had under 350 yards. Baltimore's a top five defense. They've only had one game where they've given up more. 300 yards so it's really strength against strength i want this to be uh you know 2117, two minutes to go in the game detroit has the ball at their own 20 with two timeouts and let's see strength against strength it's really um should be a great game i'm really looking forward to it uh these are two teams that have
7: legitimate super bowl
6: aspirations
2: amani any um any thoughts in regard to lions ravens today at one o'clock
7: i think this is going to be one of the most physical games that you'll see uh on the docket this weekend uh, the Baltimore Ravens are the AFC's version of uh, of the 49ers, and you look at the Detroit Lions, a team that is now knocking on the door to being the most physical team in the league. I, I just love the way Dan Campbell's got them playing and got this entire team believing. But uh, I guess the only matchup that I feel like the Ravens are uh, the Raven on offense. Uh, they're not. Thro- they're throwing the ball. They're not throwing the ball as as productive as they want to with Lamar. Uh, only averaging two hundred and eight yards two hundred let's say two hundred and nine yards rounded up a game when you look at um, when you look at the the, the lions they 're averaging almost two hundred and seventy yards a game, so that could be the difference um, if you get if you uh, if the lions force Lamar to throw the football. And uh, take away one of his as the ground aspect of his game with a disciplined rush. I think that's going to be uh, a key in this game. How well can the Ravens throw the football?
2: Another big game uh, on the slate today is later on tonight. 8:20 is kickoff, and that's the Dolphins in Philadelphia taking on the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles are favored by three. The Dolphins don't play as well on the road as they do on home, but. Man, their offense is so uber-explosive. And obviously, this is an Eagles team uh, coming off of a loss. Mike, let's, let's go to you here. Uh, Eagles not going to have blank and chip as well, which I think obviously hurts them in the secondary when you're going up against uh, the fastest wide-receiving duo in the NFL. Your thoughts on, on this matchup. Who do you like winning tonight?
6: Yeah, what I really would like to see is, again, you know, in the game situation, Eagle offense against that Dolphin defense. Because I think... Um, that's where this game's going to be won or lost like obviously two great offenses Philly has a great defense especially at home you know they can rush the passer um, Miami's really survived not having a good offensive line I don't know um, if that's sustainable over 17 games but I think more fundamentally um, you know Jalen Ramsey went back to practice this week I don't think he's ready to play yet and um, I think for Miami to get to where they want to go Anita. need a they're going to have to make some plays at the end of the game on the defensive side of the ball. They did against the Chargers. I think they're going to have to do so again tonight to win the game.
2: Amani, thoughts on Dolphins-Eagles?
7: Yeah, I think it's going to come up to the up front as well. I mean, are they going to be able to stop? I mean, now you've got Miami averaging almost 115 yards uh, 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 um, on the ground, and the Eagles are one of the top run- rush defense and teams. Uh, only allow, allow, allowing 68, 60, 66 yards a game, I think that's going to be a big uh, something to watch. And also, you got to look at the passing game. Are is um, y- you look at um, the Philadelphia Eagles? Are they going to be able to slow down the passing game of the fastest? Which, like Anita said, the fastest um, receivers in the game. This is the fastest like skill position groups. Averaging 323 yards a game. That is – that's a lot, especially just in the air. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing shakes out. How well does – you know Philadelphia Eagles defense has a great defensive line, but you can mitigate for that, especially with speed on the outside, especially with a guy like Tariq uh, – Tyreek Hill. Yeah, Tyreek Hill. Give him the ball real quick on a little – you try to blitz him, you try to put some pressure on the quarterback, you you, you pop it out to him, and have him an open space, that, that could be a problem for, for the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: The over under is fifty two in that game, so uh many uh many people expecting, especially the odds makers, obviously they set these lines, expecting a lot of points in this matchup. The Chargers going against the Chiefs. That over/under is 47 and a half. So more games, more points expected in this matchup than any other matchup on the slate. One last game I want to tee up for you is the 49ers going up against the Vikings. Uh, Mike, I know you're really big on uh, on Brock Purdy, but we saw some warts last week. Now coming into this game against the Minnesota Vikings on Monday offensive line injuries also C-Mac I do expect him to play but playing with an oblique injury Debo Samuels out your thoughts for the 49ers going up against the Minnesota Vikings you giving the Minnesota Vikings any chance of pulling an upset on Monday night
6: I don't now I wouldn't have given Cleveland a chance to win without Deshaun Watson last week either so but I just uh, I think the 49ers are the most complete team in the league and you know, it's funny, like, if Elliott kicks the field goal for the Eagles or Moody for the 49ers, I think the whole narrative this past week would have been different. Um, you know, that's how close these games are. Look, I thought Purdy did what he was supposed to do. He got his team in position for the game-winning field goal. Um my daughter goes to that very expensive school in Ann Arbor and um I was at a lot of those <laughs> games last year and Jake Bowie's a really good kicker, so I think he'll make more of those and um as we talk more about the trade deadline guys, like I think another name to keep an eye on, speaking of the Vikings, Anita, is Danelle Hunter, twenty nine years old, very good pass rusher. Um and as we talk about teams that have been disappointing and who could be available, you know, Minnesota's been disappointing and Hunter Hunter's a very good pass rusher.
2: Um uh, real quick, Amani, uh, we're up against it uh, mm-hmm. because we have Jordan Renan who's going to be joining us momentarily. Uh, any thoughts on this 49ers-Vikings game?
7: Yeah, I think the Vi- Vikings are a team that's underperformed more than anybody. If you take away some of these turnovers, this team is competitive. Uh, they only won two games this year, but and they haven't yet to win at home. Uh, maybe this is a great get-right game, an injured 49er team. Everybody asked a couple weeks ago, who's going to stop the Niners? What's going to stop the Niners? I said, the only thing that's going to stop the Niners is uh, the injury bug. And you look at Christian McCaffrey being out. You look at Debo Samuels, Trent Williams, uh, uh, uh... Uh, Greenlaw, Drake Greenlaw, there's a lot of guys missing that are big parts of this 49er team. Uh, If I'm the 49er fan, I'm I'm a little uneasy about going into Minnesota, this team that's playing well, but giving games away. They're eventually going to get it right. And hopefully it just doesn't happen versus the bang, bang Niner game.
2: So you fantasy football freaks out there reports are Zach Evans, not expected to have a significant role in the backfield for the Rams. I know he was a hot pick uh, this week in free agency on fantasy football But a guy that you might not want to start this week, whether it's uh, a flex or at the running back position, just keep that in mind. We come back. Jordan Renan is going to join us next. Give us some insight regard to the Giants. What we can expect later on this afternoon against the Commanders. Also, Bram Weinstein, voice of your their their Commanders, I should say. Uh, We'll hear from him as well. That next here on ninety eight point seven ESPN.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. better because it has to be now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and boom on yeho tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotic's tropical fruit finish shaken strained poured it was green and good
1: Now, back to New York Game Day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks.
7: Hey, welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 FM New York. I'm Amani Toomer, joined by Mike Tannenbaum. And, Mike, what do we do with these Giants? How do we put this all thing back together again?
6: Yeah, I think you start by not losing the game first. Right, Amani? (laughs) I think... Best way is is turnovers. And, um, look, with Tyrod Taylor and Saquon Barkley, you have two players in the backfield that can make explosive plays. And um, that, to me, is how you have to win this game is don't turn it over. Let those two guys make plays. And, you know, the defense continues to improve, and that's something to
7: hang your hat on. Well, we got somebody, our insider, Jordan Renan. This is the Renan Report brought to you by Sanson Auto Mall. Jordan, what say you? How do we fix these Giants? What's going on over there?
4: Yeah, you got to find a way to make some big plays downfield at some point, right? I mean, if you don't score touchdowns, you're not going to win. We're at like 205 minutes without a touchdown. That's, like, that's almost three and a half games without an offensive touchdown, which is just a crazy number in the NFL. So, yeah, how about scoring some touchdowns? I think that's kind of simplistic, right?
7: Yeah. But yeah. The red zone was the big problem last week, 0 for 5. Um, how, how, what can they do? I mean, when you think of a red zone, you think, oh, you've got to get a tight end in a running game. You know, they tried both of them at the end of the game. You tried tight the the running back at the end of the first half. You tried the tight end at the end of the game, and both came up short. What can they do? What are some of the things that sh- that, that this team can do to be more effective in that red zone?
4: Yeah, I mean, look, first of all, let's not pretend like that's a big overarching problem here. That was a one week thing that they weren't even getting into the red zone before <laughs> last week. Uh, right? Baby steps. But right? A, a big part of that is, is uh, and then their success last year was using the quarterback's feet as a weapon in the red zone, right? Daniel Jones had a, you know, what? a bunch of seven rushing touchdowns, I believe it was. Uh, So that was a a big part of what, you know, weapon that they had in the red zone. Um, Obviously mistakes, too. I mean, they they made some silly mistakes in that Buffalo game. We all saw them, including the one at the end of the half, head scratching and inexcusable. Uh, But I I think it comes down to that. Their running game is going to get better, right, because Saquon's back, and at least they're... They seem to be getting settled a little bit more in the offensive line. Andrew Thomas and John Michael Schmitz aren't that far off either, so that'll come in the next few weeks. Uh, I think you put all that together, they'll be better in the red zone. The problem is they got to make sure they get there with consistency. And the way to do it in this game, this Washington team is a team that has allowed a lot of big explosive pass plays. How do they manage to get those explosive pass plays? Uh, Tyrod Taylor, likely going to be, you know, expected to be the quarterback today. Uh, they're going to—he, that's one thing he does. He's going to throw the ball down the field, and he's going to take some shots. So this is a good team
7: to be able to do it again.
6: Jordan, who's the best quarterback on the Giants
7: roster? Ooh, I love the question.
4: I don't. I I know you're uh, you're leaning towards. We had this discussion last week. I still think it's Daniel Jones. I mean, if you give Ty, but Tyrod Taylor played pretty well. Granted, they still didn't score a touchdown, right? An offensive touchdown. But if you give him a big enough sample size, they, you know, the mistakes will come. He's a little reckless out there. I don't want to sit here and knock him because he did play well in Buffalo. That was that was one a good game for him. But we saw last year what Daniel Jones' ceiling is. That's better than I believe what you would get with it consistently with Tyrod Taylor, especially with, he's going to be under pressure again, this offensive line they're going to put out today. uh, Whatever iteration is going to be, is going to be leaky at best. And he's going to be under pressure. And, uh, you know, there's a reason why Tyrod Taylor in his career has had trouble staying healthy. It's because he holds on to the ball a long time. Uh, He could be a little reckless in the pocket, you know, and leave himself vulnerable to those big hits and those negative plays. So, I think it's Daniel Jones. Uh I know I could tell by your question there Mike, you probably are leaning the other way at this point.
6: No, I'm not trying to lead the witness unlike other people <laughs> on the show, but I, I mean I just silly me, I just go by facts and, and data and film, but you know that's uh you're you're around the team every day. We're not in the No, facts I mean Grant stories. he played better. <laughs> Tyra
4: Sorry. played better in his one game than Daniel Jones has this year. I, yeah. I agree with you. It's like that's indisputable. Mm-hmm. But I think if you I'm, – I'm projecting here, right, and I'm basing it off the Daniel Jones that we saw last year, mm-hmm. I think long-term, like if you say who's the better quarterback and you give each of them ten games, I think Daniel Jones would be the better quarterback. He, just, he, could, do, he could do more. Uh, he's – a different kind of threat with his legs, I believe. Like, Tyrod's more of like a scrambler, uh, where I think Daniel Jones, you could do better at his design runs. And I just think he's a little bit more talented. And if he, he, you, could, you could do more with himself. So, uh, that's, why, that's why I go in that direction. But you're right. Tyrod Taylor played better in the one game he was on the field than Daniel Jones did so far this season.
7: I'd give Daniel Jones one half. He played a very good half against Arizona in the second half. But let's,
4: let's he talk did, to- He did, he did.
7: Let's talk about Jalen Hyatt and how um, you know he's just been a guy that's just every time he gets on the field he's making something happen uh, is this is there going to be a concerted effort for this Giants offense to try and figure out ways to get Jalen Hyatt the ball to to garner up some of those big type of chunk plays that air, that Washington has been giving up this season
4: yeah, I mean. We've seen him the last I – mean, he's been on the field the last few weeks. Now, mm-hmm. We finally saw it result in target uh, in Buffalo. But it's clear, I mean, Brian Dibble said this week, that the, the young receiver, he's talking about Jalen Hyatt and Wanda Robinson. Like, they're young. We need to play them. That's the only way you get better at that position in this league is to get experience. So those guys are going to play. And you, you saw Jalen Hyatt's role is increasing. The uh, wide receiver rotation is decreasing in regards to the fact that uh, Paris Campbell got zero snaps, so he was out of it. Sterling Shepard basically is out of it as well. He had one snap that was on a, you know, used him as a run blocker. Isaiah Hodgins is being used pretty much only in two wide receiver sets. So their primary wide receivers, when they go through wide receivers, is going to be Jalen Hyatt, it's going to be, be Wondell Robinson, and it's going to be Darius Slayton, and I think that's, we're going to see more and more of that as we go along here. And the other guys, maybe you'll fill in, you know, the gaps elsewhere. So uh, it creates more opportunities for Hyde. And we've seen at times, you know, that speed, he, he's a threat. So they have to find ways to get him the ball because what's his team's biggest problem? Scoring touchdowns making big plays. They're last in the NFL in 20-plus plays by a wide margin. Uh, Washington has given him the third up the third most 20-plus pass plays of his 22 so far already this year. So that's an average of what? Uh, in six games, it's almost four per game. So, you know, that's an opportunity for Jalen Hyde to make some big plays here. And the Giants got to find a way to make it happen. Uh, wow. That's a tough one because do I expect them to? I mean, they're going to play semantics here, right? Joe Shane did it with Kadarius Tony, right? He never shocked Kadarius Tony. But yeah, Kadarius Tony ends up getting traded, right? So they're definitely going to listen to offers, talk to other teams. That's how Joe Shane operates in general. He's shown um, a propensity to be active in that market uh, in regards to the early part of his general manager tenure. Now, does it mean they're going to trade Saquon Barkley? That's a tough one because that one, that's one that has to go by ownership. Right. And then when you think about it, it's, you're telling your fan base, you know, we're basically done with this season and what's the product going to look like the rest of the year. So I think that's a hard sell when it comes to uh, getting a deal done. So do I think you'll see at that level a trade? I think it's probably unlikely unless somebody offers something, you know, really really good. Like, I know I heard you guys talking earlier, like third round pick is kind of like, okay, maybe that, that, but if that's like borderline, right? If they get, if they got something better than that, sure. But I don't know if that deal exists anywhere. So, uh, but there are other guys on this roster, I think that probably have value. And I think the giants would be open to looking at it. And, and what I'm talking about is um Adore Jackson, Xavier McKinney, uh, guys like that, guys that are on the last year of their deal that maybe could help some other teams and maybe you could pick up a late round pick for at this point. Uh, mid to late round pick. If they could do that, I think it's a move that they'd be open to making now. I'm not sure if those deals exist because a number one, by the way, and here's here's a little scoop for you: Adoree Jackson is un, is not expected to play today. Mm. He has a neck injury as well, um, and he makes a lot of money, so that's a tough deal for a team to make, right? It's for a team to make and tr- trade for him because he's still owed a decent amount of money this year, and then you have to f- figure out a way to to fit that in. And, Guy like Leonard Williams would be the same situation. That's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. The team probably wouldn't want to take that much money for half a year. So they don't have a ton of guys, but I do think they will. They will at least be looking. And let's see how these next two games go too. I think it's a lot different if they're um, let's say they win them both and they're three and three and five, five, right? It's a lot different than if they're sitting there one and seven. At one and seven, you be uh, you wouldn't be doing your job if you weren't open to moving guys for future assets.
7: It's funny uh, you talk about uh, how the, the advantage for the Giants this weekend in the game is, you know, the fact that Sam Howell holds the ball a lot. But this, we talked to Wink, mm-hmm. I uh, talked to Wink Martindale, and he said that, um, you know, that talked about how the defensive line is taking a little while to gel together. Uh, why is that when they played together last year? So I, I'm trying to con- confused on why they haven't. They have, you know, the lowest amount of quarterback sacks in the entire league, um, with only five sacks this season. I, I, what, what's going on with that defensive line?
5: What happened? What happened?
7: Yeah, that's a curious one. I mean, I'm not
4: not really sure where he was headed with that one, but I will say this, I mean, there are some guys that they added that were supposed to be key depth pieces that just haven't panned out for them so far. You're talking about Ashawn Robinson. Uh, team, uh Nunez, Roche. So if these were guys that were supposed to help them in regards to the run game, and then that would set them up for, okay, here we go. We got these teams in third and long. Now we can get the pressure. They haven't obviously been able to do that. They haven't been really good against run. But let's also be fair. The defense is not this team's problem right now. They played really well in Buffalo. Uh, they did some good things in Miami. I know they gave up a lot of yards and ultimately points. Uh, but they created three turnovers and scored a touchdown in the game. And they played really well against Seattle. I know the final score might not indicate that. But they let up less than 300 yards in that game and were pretty darn good. So the defense is the least of this team's problems right now. They need to score points. If you don't score points in this league, you don't win. Now, it also hurts Azizo Jalari not being there. They just have nothing behind them. Like, literally, I mean, in regards to pass rush, they have nothing Behind them, so they're very, very thin on that side of the ball. I think that that's a contributing factor. So now they're they're sitting there. They have uh, Jahab Ward, who's not necessarily a big pass rusher. Uh, Boogie Basham, who you know hasn't really provided them much of anything at this point. And uh, the results are what they are. And we have uh, a pass rush that that hasn't been great, but still, their defense at least has been better the last couple of weeks. I'm not looking at it like. That's that you know debilitating to what they're trying to do because they play pretty well and because of the situation they're in and you know they, they actually haven't blitzed as much as a Wink Martindale defense usually does.
7: Oh, thanks a lot, Jordan, uh, for your insight. And uh, hopefully today we'll, we'll we'll see a much better version of the Giants, like we did last week versus the Buffalo Bills.
4: At this point, we're just taking offensive touchdown. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Just one, right? I mean, just, just one. Seen, come on. Just, just give us uh, at least one. I mean, oh. the low bar here, you know? Yeah,
7: 0 for 5, especially if you got two plays inside the one, man. That's, that's tough. Um, but that's the Jordan Run On report brought to you by Sansun Auto Mall. Discover the S in Sansun savings. Samsung, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, they're overstocked with Wrangler 4xE models, and they all must go. Route 1 in Woodbridge, New Jersey, or shop online at SamsungJeep.net. And we're going to throw it to Anita, who spoke with the voice of the Washington Commanders, Brian Weinstein. Bram Weinstein, excuse me.
2: Amani, thank you. I appreciate it. Bram Weinstein joins us now on New York Game Day, 98.7 ESPN. He's the voice of the Washington Commanders. To give us a little sneak peek, a look behind the camera. First things first, I'll tell you what. Um, I, I, I love watching Sam Howell play. I love how the ball comes out of his hands. I love his velocity. I love his accuracy. Uh, I really think that Washington has found their quarterback, Bram.
5: So, you know, like everyone thought this was a pretty interesting bet that the team made on him, you know, especially in a, in a year of transition. You know, the team was sold. Uh, Ron Rivera's in his fourth year. He's only been to the playoffs once. He's never had a winning record. Um, so a lot's on the line. And then to just decide at that point where well, we're going to go with a second-year player who was a fifth-round pick was, I think, caught a lot of people nationally off guard. Um, and it was kind of based on how he was performing at practice and then got a shot in a game because Washington was eliminated in Week 18 last year and he beat the Cowboys. And so off of that, they just kind of decided this is going to be our guy. And they never really actively tried to get, you know, a veteran upgrade. They brought in Jacoby Brissett, really to really be a backup, which is how it played out. And he actually has really kind of been outside of the sack total, which is a jarring number. He's been sacked 34 times. Mm-hmm. um I would largely say he's played really well um, and I think he's kind of validated the decision. He's been very good for them. their offense has been better in general. Um, they're scoring more points than they did a year ago. His decision making is very good with like the one exception of you know he hangs in there a little too long and he takes a few too many sacks. So you know I think this particular weekend, you know I would expect them to not really throw the ball as much. It's kind of been, Boy, for a few weeks there, they were 70-30 pass, which feels a little, you know, considering that their offensive line, I think, coming in, no one thought was going to be their strength. We were hoping it wasn't going to be their weakness. Brian Robbins has really kind of emerged as a very good number one back, and they could run the ball more, but when they've gotten down in games, they've gotten completely away from him. They've put a lot on Hal. So, while his, you know, the sack numbers are, are problematic for sure, like, he's not really putting the ball in bad spots, Um, His decision-making is very good, and if there's really a criticism of him, it's that he hangs in there maybe a little too long and just won't eat it and throw it away sometimes. So, you know, as things kind of progress through the season, the hope is that he's going to mature and he's going to take less negative plays. And if that happens, I mean, the early returns here are he's very accurate, uh, he's very tough, he's very resilient, and, you know, I think largely we'd all kind of say we like what we've seen from him so far.
2: Yeah, I, I would say so. Like, like I said, I, I really did not know much about him, and and I, I'm I'm trying to remember the game that I that I did watch. It was a it was a primetime game. Which one was, that? was it? Atlanta? Was, the, was it the Bears Atlanta game, game or the Bears? <laughs> the Bears. Maybe replayed, it was the Bears. Play, play the Bears I, I, on Thursday night. Maybe it was the Bears was, on Thursday night. I mean, listen, who yeah. you know you know who's tuning into the Bears and the Commanders unless you got money on the game, and that would be me, of course. Um, so, and I was just like, wow, this dude, like, like he's got, he's got velocity. He's got accuracy. Like I was just, I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. You know, I just, I I feel like, you know, you, you stumble across like a antique Jaguar whose engine is, uh, is, is, is pretty. Restored. I, I don't know. That that's how that's how I'm looking at it. But no, but nonetheless, uh, offensively, you talked about um, B Rob and and what an amazing um, runner he is. You've got that one two punch in the backfield. But you also you you look at the weapons here. Uh, you know, Bram, It's it, th- there's a lot to work with here. Terry McLaurin, you can say, is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, although his stats don't necessarily repre- represent that this season. I was expecting more from Dotson. Logan Thomas is solid. Curtis Samuel is solid. Diami Brown, I don't think we've seen uh, the ceiling for him, um, I was really excited when he came out of college. Uh, there's just there's a lot to work with here offensively, right?
5: Yeah, yeah. They're not they're not missing skill position guys. I mean, they they have all the weapons no. they need. Um, and with Eric enemy here, obviously, like that was like the big offseason acquisition. There was the hope that he was going to you know improve their offense significantly. And you know, I think like Dotson, like it, it's they're a work in progress. Like they have kind of too many people to feed at this point. And the last couple of weeks, like last week, Dotson got one target, no catches. And that's like the storyline this week. How do you incorporate him more? He could be the most explosive player of the group you just named. Um, McLaurin's had an outstanding, kind of unheralded career nationally. I like people realize how good he is because the commanders haven't been really much of a factor, you know, in the in the playoff scene really the last few years. He's the first three straight thousand yard season receiver they've had since the nineteen nineties. He's as he's as basically as as, uh, as as thorough as you can get, really, from what they can ask for from someone. He's a true number one, um and a really good guy too. I know I don't think people realize like the character he brings to everything. They've got everything that they need. I think that they're kind of a work in progress in trying to figure it out. Which they've gotten where they've gotten really good is in the red zone they're they're delivering pretty regularly now they're very inventive there um i think at times like like i said previously like the real issue has been they when they get down the enemy has uh, and is apt to become almost pass exclusive at times in that bears game that you saw they did not run a run play from the middle of the second quarter on because they were down Fifty-five straight plays, they threw the ball. Fifty-five, right? (laughs) So I think the game at times, like, is getting away from them. I don't expect that this weekend. It didn't last week in Atlanta, albeit they played with a lead, which was the first time. It was the first time they led after three quarters. They're three and three. They've only led after three quarters once. Um, And you name their schedule. They haven't played world beaters. They played the Eagles. They played the Bills. But everybody else... They played the Bears, they played the Falcons, they played the Broncos, they played the Cardinals. Like, their record should be 3-3 three and three or better, really, honestly, with the schedule that they played. I think they're a work in progress. And I think We're all kind of hoping that they're going to improve because Hal does look a little ahead of the curve. And I know he was a fifth-round pick, and I know he was unheralded, but if you really go back to the year before his final year at North Carolina, he was coming in as like a first- or second-round grade. He had broken records at North Carolina his freshman year. He was breaking ACC records, so it's not like he's inexperienced, and it's not like he hadn't done it at a very high level. He just he fell off because a lot had changed in his final year in college. He had lost. De'Ami Brown was on his team. Javante Williams was on his team. There were guys that ended up going to the pros. They kind of changed their offense around him. He ran the ball more than I think you would probably want to do with him, and his numbers kind of shrank, and all of a sudden, he's drafted in the fifth round, but Listen, we're a team that have been looking for a franchise quarterback for a very, very long time. And in this case, the early returns on him are very good. And with the enemy, the signs are there that when they kind of figure out what they're good at, which is what I think they're trying to figure out, they, they, they really, we can't really get a semblance of, are they a power run team? Because they can be. Are they a quick pass team? Because they can be. Are they a good screen team, misdirection team? They can be. Um, But they haven't quite put it all together yet. But the hope is that as things kind of progress through the season, they're going to find out together what they're really good at. And I don't think you've seen the best of their offense yet because they do have a really – their bucket is full of skill position, people. The question is, can Hal grow into the role? Are they going to be in high-leverage games because they're like a 500 team and they have to win? And the late-season schedule for them is very tough. They're playing Dallas twice, San Francisco, the Jets, and the Dolphins all in – from Thanksgiving and on. So they better win these games now because the schedule looks like it's going to get brutal for them late in the year.
2: Well, this is a Giants team uh, that held the Buffalo Bills to 14 points, almost won. Many people feel they should have blown call in the back of the end zone with Darren Waller, which many people feel was a holding penalty. But nonetheless, uh, the defense, I feel, kind of woke up last week. Uh, Before we let you go, how do you see Sunday's game playing out?
5: I really think the whole thing is is really Washington's front four against, I mean, this is their money players, you know, four first-round picks. Um, They've had a lot of pressures, not a ton of sacks, but a ton of pressures. So they're getting to the quarterback already against what is beyond a makeshift offensive line. If Washington's front four can't control the line of scrimmage when the Giants are on offense, there's something really wrong here. So, you know, I, I personally think like that's a mismatch and it should be hard. I mean, I know the Giants have had a really hard time scoring. It should be hard for them this week, too. And if that's the case with a more balanced attack, you know, I think Washington should be able to score enough to win the game. How they go about doing it, well, that's you know, anyone's guess because we haven't seen a semblance of any kind of normalcy week to week with how they run their offense. But defensively, it is a mismatch up front. It's incumbent on Washington's front four, their money players, to come through. And if they do, I have a hard time buying that the Giants' offense is going to wake up this week.
2: Bram, thank you so much for joining us. Really do appreciate it. Um, you know, all. <laughs> I, I, just, I just want to see an entertaining game. I just feel like so many of the games I've watched well, for the Giants. You, you've watched I, these I know.
5: two play each other for years. I mean, like, when has it not been? I mean, like, every single right. one of them ends up being some close one-score game, and that's what I expect this weekend, too. It's just, could the Giants score more than 20 against this front four with that offensive line? If they do, uh, you know, I think that's <laughs> You're going to be hearing a lot of people down here going, what in the world just happened?
2: all right i want to thank bram weinstein uh along with of course jordan renan giving us a really great preview of that giants commanders game coming your way later on this afternoon anita marks with you of course along with the Toomer and mike tannenbaum we come back we'll kick off our number three and uh we've got of course my locks of the week coming your way not to mention mike tannenbaum's bomb of the day all of that and more right here on 98.7 ESPN.
1: This is New York Game Day, presented by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Slowman's low prices, zero sacrifices. For 100 years, Slowman's has been a staple in home comfort. Call 1-866-OIL-DEAL. And by Nissan, you deserve a car that thrills you. And Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself, shop your local Nissan store, and at Nissan.com today.